Welcome back to Well, That's Interesting, the Everything in Nature is Dangerous, Just Don't Touch It edition. Yes. <laughs> yes. You guys, just don't go outside. Yeah. Everything is dangerous. There are cliffs. There are <laughs> bugs. There are other people. Oh, God. They're the worst. So just stay inside. Yeah. <laughs> I've been saying this forever yeah i said this before it was cool during the pandemic there you go don't go outside ahead of the curve mercer island that's me <laughs> <laughs> today episode 062 little pot of horrors killer plants y'all uh, you know <laughs> i you know this is a great title first of all this is a great title um i read it two seconds before we started recording yeah. mm-hmm. and i was like jill this is the best title um second of all plants plants y'all they're bad (laughs) they're really scary um and i rarely eat them so it's i have a complicated relationship with plants yeah we've spoken many a time about plants and uh it's all been really bad yeah Yeah, like the the gimpy gimpy in australia dude i don't know if we (laughs) talked about this on the podcast but there is a plant right outside of our apartment that looks just like the gimpy gimpy yes and i was taken no less than 8,000 pictures of it and <laughs> sent them all to Jill being like, is this it? Like, are you sure? Yeah. And Jill every time is like, I told you, I don't know, probably. <laughs> just stay away. Just stay, just don't touch it, Marissa. And I'm like, oh, but I want to for some reason. Anyway, don't go outside. Yeah, that's, uh, if, uh, if this is your first time listening, <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the flock. Welcome. Dr. Riley here comes in cold and learns everything in real time, just like you. It's true. So if I start screaming or, um, that's really my main purpose is screaming. <laughs> Mostly. Mostly. You know it's because I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Until Jill tells me. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and that plant we were talking about, the gimpy gimpy in Australia, yes. that's, uh, we talked about that in, I forgot what episode number it was, but it was, uh, the title was um, World's Most Painful Sting So Far. Yeah. Something like that. Highly recommend so. listening. <laughs> it will scare the shit out of you and send you down quite the Google hole. Mm. Um, and it will also make you take pictures of every plant. Because it looks like every plant. It looks like every plant, down to the tiny, like, little needles on it. That's right. A lot of plants have needles on it. So I dare, I dare you, when you go outside tomorrow, to look up close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well... That's their homework assignment. But yep. Should we begin, though? We should. <laughs> <laughs> well, Halloween Day is right around the corner, and I can't think of a better way to celebrate than to talk about serial killers. Yeah, good times. <laughs> and the ones we're going to talk about today tick all the boxes you think of when you think of a serial killer. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so okay. What uh, what comes to mind when I say serial killer? Um, I, I, man. Um... <laughs> Um, um, kills, uh, I think it's three or more. I think it's two or more now. Oh, it's, we've had to, wow. re- we had to raise the bar. <laughs> anyone, uh, can do it. Um, <laughs> anyone can do it. Anyone, if you can dream it, you can do it. <laughs> um, and, uh, getting hit on the head as a child. That's I think, right. Head uh, injuries. Head injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, which thinking back, I actually got a head injury as a baby and, <laughs> And I haven't really uh, thought about that until right now. Uh, uh, so we'll unpack that later. <laughs> but um, what else? 
I think of the 70s. Yep. I think okay. of, um, of yeah. just a lot of specifics, but those are the, those are the top of mind things. Okay. Uh, I would say they're unassuming, right? They hide in plain sight. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they control their appearance to, quote, look normal, kind of. Yes. And uh, they're completely forgettable if you saw them walking down the street. They're just that normal. I, I probably saw more fake gimpy gimpies. <laughs> I probably noticed more fake gimpy gimpies than serial killers that were real. Yeah. That I pro- I probably passed like seven them of them today, and well, I probably and I didn't even leave my apartment. That's <laughs> that's how many serial killers I've passed today. They're just everywhere. They're everywhere, and uh, they target specific groups. That's another one, right? They have a yes. type. Have a yes, thing. middle part hair, long hair, long hair, collegiate. Look- I I don't know. I'm just thinking of Ted Bundy specifically. <laughs> yeah. Boring. Ugh, exactly. I'm such a basic bitch. Um, but yeah, they have types. They have types. And odds are they're probably living in the Pacific Northwest. Yes, so many of them. <laughs> Which is where we are for our first of two stories. Amazing. Yes, my friends, we are taking a little trip to the West Coast of North America. So please, everyone, picture the good old U.S. of A. Can do. Now point to the far upper left corner. You got it. And you got yourself a Washington State. Awesome. Take Interstate 5 North until you hit the Canadian border. Okay. And voila, you're in Vancouver. Ah, yeah, but we've got a little bit more to go. Just oh. drive, <laughs> drive, a, <laughs> drive a smidge farther north until we find ourselves about three hours from Seattle in stunning Cypress Provincial Park. Oh, la la. Mm-hmm. According to the polite and efficient website, bcparks.ca, <laughs> quote, the towering North Shore Mountains which form the backdrop to the bustling city of Vancouver have beckoned outdoor recreationists for many years. On a clear day, the views are spectacular. To the south is the sprawling metropolitan area of Vancouver, while to the southeast is snow-clad Mount Baker in the Cascade Mountain chain. Excuse me. To the west and southwest lie the Gulf Islands and Vancouver Island with Georgia Strait in the foreground. That sounds nice. I know. If, if this wasn't this podcast, I'd be like, this sounds, we should go we there. Should go. <laughs> we should go. But I, I mean, it is this podcast, so I don't want to go. That's a good. That's yeah. good. That's good. Uh, then the, uh, continuing, the diversity of natural features, old growth trees, and outdoor recreation opportunities in both summer and winter is due partly to the climate of coastal British Columbia. Ah. No matter what the season or the weather, Cypress Provincial Park is an enjoyable place to be. Hiking, sightseeing, photography, wilderness camping, skiing, snowboarding, cross-country skiing, snow tubing, and snowshoeing, and other snow-related activities are just some of the activities the park offers. End quote. Jesus. What can't you do? <laughs> that's, I think it's actually too much for me. Uh, I need not very many. I need. That's why I like Hawaii. It's like <laughs> Water or drinking? It's, yeah. <laughs> it's do you want to swim or do you want to drink? Yeah, or and together. Do you to, want to, yeah. Or, or yeah, you yeah. can also do both. <laughs> That's right. It's, it's an easy choice. Uh, so that was, uh, that was a fucking, that was a lot, but it still doesn't do the place justice. Uh, Dr. Marissa, would you like to see a view from one random hiking trail in Cypress Provincial Park? I mean, of course. And, of course I do. <laughs> and all photos we talk about today will be on our social media, so please... Come on along and play. Uh, so the photo right here. Oh, shut up. I mean, this is like the most, it's like a postcard. Yeah. It's so beautiful. I'm, it, it, you know, I, I don't hike 
So I'm really glad someone <laughs> took this picture for me. Um, but yeah, it looks like as if you had hiked up the most beautiful mountain in the world. Um, there's tons of these tall, gorgeous green trees. I don't know anything about trees, so I can't tell you what kind they are. And then they're looking down into this sort of gulf area. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this beautiful water and and kind of these little island situations in the water and but they're not tropical but it's still sexy and (laughs) and then there's like sky so so much sky (laughs) there's so much sky the sky is like the same color as the water it's just it's magnificent i like how my entire description of of this picture is like there are trees and they're green (laughs) There's a sky. It's and accurate. it's blue. It's accurate. Like, it's an accurate I, description. I don't, I don't know what else to say. It's perfect. Yeah. The view is overwhelming and the place the place itself is equally vast. My friends, it's a great place to dump a body. Oh. Or even better, hide a lot of very tiny bodies. Yes. Oh no. <laughs> that has been the MO of the common wildflower Triantha occidentalis. Okay. Also known as the Western False Asfo- Asphodel. 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 <laughs> does that sound familiar? No, it does no. not. Yeah, you can say no. <laughs> Absolutely not. This is because, my friends, it's a small, unassuming white flower that has been quietly existing among the loud colors and bountiful views of this park. It's been eating insects alive for millennia. Oh, and, my. And we just found out about it. What? Yeah. Y'all. <laughs> Dr. Marissa, I'd love to show you a photo of this killer plant. And please tell us, what do you see? How does it make you feel? Does it tick any of the serial killer boxes uh, when you look upon it? Here we go. I would be happy to. Yeah, um, this is the most unassuming flower <laughs> in the world. I, If I saw this flower, I, I really wouldn't think about it. It's, I mean, it's a white flower. Yeah. And it's got yellow pollen. And um, the and it's not a daisy, so I'm not going to really think about it. It's got kind of thin petals. Yep. It's just not a big. Sorry, it's just not a big. I accidentally like slapped Jill in the arm <laughs> it's, it's okay. while describing this. Um, it's just this forgettable flower. So forgettable. Yeah, it's yeah. like you said, white thin petals. Very just. I don't know. You if you'd hike, you'd miss it. You know, like maybe it's elegant and charming. If you happen to see it, maybe you'd bring it home. But it's really just like it's just yeah. there, and it's, it's kind of small. Like I don't yeah. think this could eat anything. <laughs> I right. I mean, no yeah. way, Jose. Right. I can't believe I just said no way, Jose. I'm it's so okay. sorry. It's okay, you can stay. <laughs> Cancel me. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. Simply put, it's a white flower that does not look carnivorous in any way. No. Usually there's some trap or bright coloring or a nasty smell associated with those types of flowers, but this plant has not one obvious sign. No. Uh, Kian Shin Lin, a postdoc at the University of Toronto and lead author of a new study on this flower, calls it a cryptic carnivore. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I, that that's going to be my new uh, Instagram bio. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's a newly coined phrase for plants whose killer tendencies are hidden on the inside. Oh, they're on the inside. Like a woman. I'm really, what's the opposite of a roll? I'm, just, <laughs> just, I'm digging a grave. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> there it is. Digging the grave. <laughs> uh, and members of this group are growing year by year. So put a pin in that. 
Okay. First, let's find out how scientists found out this pretty little thing likes to eat little insects. Now, botanists have been well aware of the plant's presence in the Pacific Northwest for over a century. But a few years ago, a team of scientists at the University of British Columbia happened to run a DNA analysis of it. And what they, you know, and what they found, well, what a day it turned out to be, (laughs) it it uncovered something unexpected for a common wildflower. It eats human blood. (laughs) Almost. Okay. Halfway there. Oh, ah. yeah. Now, Dr. Marissa, please tell us, according to atlasobscura.com, what did they find? Or rather, what didn't they find? Ooh, la la. Mm. Okay. All right. Uh, The the team discovered, quote, T. uh, occidentalis. Nailed it was missing some genes that aid in photosynthesis. Other members of the same lab then decided to pick up the question of what exactly was fueling it. And, quote, okay, so believe it or not, I know what photosynthesis is. Nice. It's... Well done. You paid attention in kindergarten, Marissa. Um, it takes the sunlight. There you go. And it helps it grow. And it, there you go. Because it's a plant. That's right. It, that's where it gets its food source from primarily. But Nailed this, it. This plant, though, doesn't have the no. genes capable of making food through sunlight. So, my friends, it was clear this plant was not running on sunshine. And all signs were pointing to this being a meat eater. Oh, shit. But they needed proof. Uh-huh. So, Kian Lin did what any good postdoctoral fellow would do in this situation set up a sting operation yeah that's right lynn took a trip to cypress provincial park with a few lab-grown fruit flies who unbeknownst to them had been tagged and fed a last meal laced with amino acids and nitrogen 15 a stable traceable isotope oh i get it i get it i get it okay yeah essentially the thought here was if those amino acids and nitrogen end up in the plant then they're have you, the plant ate the flies. Exactly, yes. So, Dr. Marissa, according to our source at atlasobscura.com, how did the experiment go, and what did it reveal? I would love to tell you. All right, quote, using tweezers, Lynn affixed the flies one by one to the plant's leggy stems, which are dotted with stubby, granular hairs, reddish and sticky as rubber cement. Lynn's team returned to the park after a week, then two, and found stems speckled with exoskeletons. Speckled. Oh, speckled. What did I say? Specked? Speckled. Speckled. Which is kind of like speckled and echo, which is kind of cool. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Anyways, speckled. not speckled, with exoskeletons. Uh, The researchers harvested plants to haul back to the lab. They found that T. occidentalis was indeed siphoning that nitrogen and accumulating it in its stems and fruits. It was clear that the plant was getting energy from consuming the insects. End quote. Yeah, it's eating those bugs. Totally eating them. It's not only eating them, it's sucking them dry. They were completely empty. The innards were gone and nothing was left behind but an intact shell of a bug. Holy shit. Yeah. Dr. Marissa, I have a photo of this eerie, oddly calm massacre. And please tell us, how average does this scene look? Like, would this be something you'd miss if you were just out and about, you know, one fine day in this park? Uh, I would love to see, but also I really want to put oddly calm massacre on a tote. (laughs) 
I want to put it on a tote like yesterday. I My eyes are just wide with delight right now over the phrase oddly calm massacre. That could definitely be an album cover right there. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Show All me right. the massacre. All right. Here we go. All right. All right. Okay, so I see these two stems that we talked about, and um, they're covered in these, you know, little hairs that are sticky, and um, attached to them are the flies Mm -hmm. that I assume are being currently sucked dry. Yeah. Yeah, the flies do not look like themselves. Um, They have seen better days. They, I mean, I, I don't know how else to say this other than they look empty. Yeah. Like you can see like the clear yep. exoskeletons. It it's like a water bottle mm. filled with like um like a you know fruit juice. You can see it disappearing. Yeah. Yeah, it's just uh, they're just sitting there. Uh, I, honestly, this could be something you'd miss though. I mean, oh, I would can... never think about it. <laughs> right. Cuz the wings are there, the head is there, the antenna. Everything's pretty much there except the inside parts. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's kind of creepy, uh, but good news, it gets better. Oh. Uh, Lynn and his research, Lynn and the researchers aren't exactly sure how the plant did it. Uh, oh. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh-huh. It's going to do it to us. <laughs> so they weren't physically present to witness the, sly, the flies slowly becoming meals. So that might be a fun field trip sometime in the future. But in the meantime, Lynn suspects those hairs may have something to do with it. Yes. From the study, a new carnivorous plant lineage with a unique sticky inflorescence trap. Nailed it. Jesus Christ. Unique sticky inflorescence trap. Yeah. Not on a tote. Yay. No. No. No thanks. Ah, Quote, glandular hairs on the flowering stem secrete phosphatase, as seen in all carnivorous plants that directly digest prey. End quote. Oh my God. So it seems that this plant shares one thing in common with its fellow carnivores, an enzyme that may help break down its prey's sweet, sweet innards. But honestly, that's where the similarities begin and end. Yeah. Unlike a lot of carnivorous plants, where only one part of the plant is the trap, uh, this plant's entire stem, from the dirt floor up to its beautiful flowers, is one big snare. Smart. I I actually really respect this. Yeah, that's pretty Yeah. Uh, to botanists, though, this seems like a bad idea because this, quote, potentially turns pollination into a dicey proposition for smaller creatures. Oh, no. End quote. Like, why kill the things that could keep your species alive? Yeah. Well, turns out, like a lot of serial killers, Triantha occidentalis is a clever one hmm. and has a very specific type. It doesn't need the smaller bugs that crawl around to pollinate it. Larger winged insects like bees and butterflies can land on those petals, get up all in that pollen, and fly away. Those smaller bugs, though, they're just a free meal. A free, easy meal that literally walks right up to it. When the researchers took a look at other T. occidentalis plants in the area, they were covered in empty beetle and ant shells. It was a graveyard in plain sight. Oh my god. Yeah. As for how many other cryptic carnivores may be out there? Well, there's about 400,000 named plants, named species, out in the world. So I would say there's a lot of them <laughs> that we don't know about yet. <laughs> I, it, I mean, one of them is going to come for us. I swear <laughs> to God, plants have to hate us. Oh, yeah. Oh, Hands they down. have to hate us. We keep ruining their lives. 
<laughs> I mean, uh, it's only a matter of time before like one hops out of the earth and comes running, <laughs> chasing us all down the street. Uh, yeah. Watch this space, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> After the break, a plant that can cause third degree burns. Oh my God. And permanent blindness. No. <laughs> there it is. We found it. That was really fast. Yep. <laughs> Stay tuned. Please do. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Jane Perlez, longtime foreign correspondent and former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. I've been a foreign correspondent in lots of places, Somalia, Indonesia, Pakistan, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I mean, China is not dropping anti-democratic paratroopers into Montana. But of course, we did see things like the weather balloon slash spy balloon riveting the whole country for a week. This is Face Off an eight-part series in which we'll take you behind the scenes to key moments in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. We'll speak with a diplomat, a spy, a tech reporter, a U.S. admiral, even Yo-Yo Ma. Plus, my pal and noted China historian Rana Mitter joins the conversation. We'll look at what's driving the two nations apart and explore whether anything can help bring them back together. Face-Off launches April 9th. Hey everyone, Jill Chacha here from Well That's Interesting, and I am absolutely thrilled to tell you about Spotify for Podcasters. I use it, I love it, and it all started by downloading the free Spotify for Podcasters app, which has all the tools you need in one place to record and edit your masterpiece of a podcast. Spotify for Podcasters also distributes your show to all major platforms, so when you hit publish, your episodes will stream not only on Spotify, but I'm talking about the Apples, the Googles, Stitcher, Good Pods, the other ones. <laughs> you get the idea. And you can monetize your podcast with no minimum listenership required. You could also set up monthly subscriptions and record ads just like this one. So what are you waiting for? Download Spotify for Podcasters today and start changing the world. Oh, and please stay interesting. And we're back. We are so back. We're so back, and we're face to stem with a plant whose name sounds like it gets into bar fights and wins. Oh, my, my God. <laughs> my friends, we're looking at the giant hogweed. I mean, <laughs> I mean, this plant rides a Harley. Yes. Yes. And has a tattoo that says Ma. Mother. Mm -hmm. Mom or mother on its arm? I, I would say mother. Mother. I think, yeah. Yeah. You know, because it's, it's a little uncomfortable. I know. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dr. Marissa, I would love to show you two photos of a giant hogweed. Okay. <laughs> uh, as provided by the New York State Department of Conservation. Now, I think some parts of it will remind you of that Occidentalist that we just spoke about, uh, but there are some big differences too. Please point those out, uh, whatever and whatever else you see. I would love All to. All right, here we go. Oh my God. 
<laughs> oh my god. Okay. Well, first of all, yeah. uh, yes, I know which one it is. Um, <laughs> I pointed to it as though I needed to. I did yeah. not. <laughs> uh, it's a uh, first of all. This definitely will be on social, and you should look at it because it's hilarious. I just want to point out uh, the person that's in this photo. There is a, a human in this photo. He is a man. A white man, so imagine how tall a white man usually is. <laughs> and and then imagine a flower, a tree. No, a flower. It's a plant, yeah. A plant mm-hmm. that is uh, one to two feet taller. So it's like a stem. Imagine a stem that goes up like, what, seven or eight feet? Yeah. And then at the top of the stem there are these little white flowers that are unassuming, except for the fact that it's so tall. It's so tall. And then it has some little, like, branch things coming off of it with leaves. <laughs> I This this plant is all over the place. It really is. But, yeah, imagine, like, a seven, eight-foot stem, some weird branches, and some little white flowers at the top. Yeah. It's very you want, awkward. You want to see the flowers close up? Yes. All right, so it's fla- it's white flowers. I don't know what else to tell you. They're in <laughs> they're in little bunches. Yeah, they're like little kind of bouquets of little teeny bouquets. Teeny bu- white, yeah. Um, it makes me think of like back when I would collect things for Barbie because I didn't have enough money for a dream house. Uh, the this would be a perfect like bouquet for yeah, Barbie. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now, back on June 12th, 2018, Jordan Metzger of the Massey, or Massey, Massey? Mm, sure. Jordan Metzger of the <laughs> Massey Herbarium at Virginia, Te- Virginia Tech, I can, I can totally speak, I can get it, <sighs> made an announcement over Facebook and Twitter that a gang of giant hogweeds, about 30 plants in total, were spotted in Middlesex County, Clark County, and Isle of Wight County, all located in Northeast Virginia. Okay, okay, okay. Now, even the local Fox News channel covered the story and actually did some factual reporting on the sightings. What? Spreading the word that the invasive hogweeds were in town. Oh my God. So, why the alarm? Well, quoting directly from a statement made by the White County reps, giant hogweed makes poison ivy look like a walk in the park. Oh my God, no. Yeah. Have you ever had poison ivy? Sure, yeah. Yeah, same. Okay. Yeah. It's bad. That, it's bad. I, I have nothing else to say. <laughs> it's bad. Two words. Don't do yeah. it. <laughs> so I'm not going to bury the lead here and just come out and say it. The sap of this plant can cause intense burns, even third degree burns, no. but not in a way you'd expect. What? Yeah. Dr. Marissa, please explain how does this plant cause debilitating pain? Okay. Uh, <laughs> whew. All right. Quote. The reason for this is that the plant contains a toxic sap that prevents human skin from protecting itself from sunlight. If you get, oh my God, if you get the sap on your skin, it causes a chemical reaction that leads to extreme sunburns from even normal exposure, a condition that can last for many years. The sap located in, in the stems also causes blistering and scars in the, f- in the form of darkened and pigmented skin that reportedly can last up to s- six years. <laughs> this sucks. Okay. Um, heat and moisture like sweat or dew can 
you guessed it, worsen the skin reaction, said the, De uh, the New York Department of Environmental Conservation. Uh, quote, the phototoxic reaction can begin as soon as 15 minutes after contact with sensitivity peaking between 30 minutes and two hours after contact, end quote. And this is from allthatsinteresting.com. I hate this so much. I hate this. <laughs> yeah. I, I One more reason I'm never, ever going outside. I yeah. do not want mm -hmm. um, a problem that's going to last six years. Yeah. Blistering and scars yeah. and, a, and a chemical reaction that makes my already horribly fair skin Yes. Burn harder yes. in the sun? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Oh my god. Here we are. I'm sipping my LaCroix. <laughs> in horror and disappointment. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's right, my friends. It's the anti-sunscreen that sticks with you for years. Right. And the cherries on top of this agonizing shit cake are blisters, which of course I have photos of. So I'm <laughs> Would you like to see what this sap can do? It's, I'm, okay, it's super graphic, okay? I, I'm not going to lie. I really want to see okay. it. I mean, I sat through the movie Raw, so yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm down. Here we go. Okay. This isn't as bad as I thought. Really? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I've spent a long time, not to brag, I've spent a long time looking up, like, Black Widow and Brown Recluse uh, fights. Okay, so this is a so close second. A, a very <laughs> close. Don't get me wrong. This is pretty awful. Um, okay, so it's kind of like day several. Um, a prog it's progression photos. So it's six progression photos. The first one is two days in. And it's just someone's hand. And the top of their hand, it looks like the exposed area from like their middle knuckles to like middle of their, the top of their hand is, is just red. It just looks like a sunburn. Um, at 2.5 days, so later that day, it's blistering. You can yeah. see some pretty normal blistering around the knuckles. And it's just, it's like a typical blister that you would get on your foot. Um, three days, those blisters are full of liquid. Yeah. That is clearly yellow. It is uh, full of yellow it's, liquid. Uh, they're, it, they're like the size of quarters, maybe even bigger. Yeah, it's, but like, but like round yeah like, like a little it, balloon if you were like imagine costume jewelry but it's a blister yeah <laughs> exactly yeah if you were wearing like big pearl rings um but it's full of pus yeah. um so yeah and then on four days um you know what those those big uh blisters are still there and yeah. they're f still full of liquid and except now the liquid looks uh whiter <laughs> And then um, all around on the other parts of the hand, it just looks like burnt and burnt. it looks like the skin is kind of like, I don't know how to describe it. It, it like, looks like they stuck their hand in a fire, yeah. basically. Yeah. And it doesn't go away even 10 days later. It's That's crazy. the last photo. One, yeah. one week, it's it's purplish. And then 10 days, it, 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 it it's still purplish. It still looks raw. Yeah. It doesn't look like it's. It doesn't look like it's healing. Yeah. So I do have some good news. Oh, uh, cool! Great. <laughs> in addition to this, if the sap makes it into your eyes, there's a potential for temporary or even permanent blindness. I mean, so. I. 
great. And according to an article by that Fox, that local Fox News channel, quote, the plant can grow up to 14 feet tall, creating a lot of shade in the area, inhibiting the growth of native species. That's so mean. Why? That's so mean. Uh, That article is called Invasive Plant That Causes uh, Third-Degree Burns Discovered in Virginia. So I know what you're thinking. How did it get there? Yeah. If you thought, perhaps, uh, I bet it was brought over from Asia in the early 1900s because it looked real pretty. You're right. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> we're so dumb. Uh. It, was, it was shipped over for ornamental purposes. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I'm just so embarrassed. I, I know I wasn't there and I had nothing to do with it, but I'm still embarrassed. Yes. You know? Yeah. You know right? that feeling? Mm-hmm. These are my people. These are, yeah. Yep. Humans. Tell me more. Okay. And ever since, it's been popping up in the Northeast. So, yes, it's in New York. Yeah. And also, you guessed it, the Pacific Northwest. Oh, so my like- God. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, now, if you see this giant-ass hogweed, don't start hacking at it. No. There are ways to remove it, like calling a professional. Yes. But, Dr. Marissa, please tell us why we should do that instead of grabbing a chainsaw. I mean, I can tell you it's just smart, but I will I will read this um, I will read this quote from a Fox News article. Quote: Environmental officials say that if you want to remove the plant, do not use a weed whacker because the plant's sap can splatter and then spread quickly. <laughs> uh, eradication should be done by physical removal or using herbicides such as glyphosate or triclopper, according to NYDEC. Quote, it may be possible for hogweed seeds to remain viable in the soil for 15 years. Great. The agency <laughs> said. For this reason, long-term monitoring is very important. Check the site and surrounding areas for the next, you know, several years for the emergence of any hogweed seedlings or regrowth from previous year's plants. Mm -hmm. And, quote, oh, my God. I'm so glad I'm not a homeowner right now. Yeah. One one of many reasons. I'm so glad I don't go outside. I just... Ah, that's right, my friends. Think of this plant like Jason from all of those Halloween flicks. Oh, my God. Yeah, he just keeps coming back. Yeah. And he's very tall. Yeah. (laughs) The end. The end. (laughs) I I don't think there's anything Uh, else left to say after after what you just said. Yeah, I guess so. That was beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) And thank you for listening. (laughs) Subscribing, rating, telling your friends about these fucked up plants that Uh, are probably very close by. Yes, watch out. (laughs) Be careful. Wear shoes. Oh, yes. Good advice. Yes. Yes. Shoes are great. (laughs) And stay interesting. Please, please do.